Welcome to episode 60 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. The boys are back together again. I know it's been a while, guys. We apologize. You know, the springtime is, is very busy. And, uh, you know, with, with me coaching baseball at Hopeful High School this year, J-Law's got the, the Silicon the Aggie Sports Network. He does men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, baseball. You name it, he does it. And uh, and just puts on a great production there. But, you know, it's time consuming. There's a lot of travel. Uh, you know, we both me and J-Law have young children, uh, uh, you know, one year old or younger. So it's 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 not easy to get together every week. And then, you know, you know, especially on top of Alabama basketball, shit in the bed. And uh, and then the baseball season, you know, you kind of started with not not really high hopes for Alabama, but. There was some there was some promise there with this team, and you know depending on Connor Prelip, but we'll get into that. And then you know they they end up sucking, and uh, now we have to watch Auburn in the World Series again for like the second time in three years or something like that. Uh, but we apologize we couldn't we couldn't get to a get to an episode couldn't make time for it over the last few months, but we're back. We're going to carry you throughout the summer and on into football season. Guys, it's, J-Loss, it's a little easier to do the podcast as a Bama fan during football season. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Hey, before we get started, man, I just want to – I know a lot of – everybody knows you helped take Hopeful to the state final. Congrats on that. One of the best teams that I saw this year. I think you you whipped up on us twice. So, Congratulations on that, Lester. I know he's doing big things, got himself a house now, doing it big time. So good, to, good to see you guys. Yeah, listen, hey, what a good spring! And oh, from winter sport, spring sport. Um, man, if Alabama didn't go to the Natty in football, uh, it would have been a rough year. I mean, softball uh, let down. They weren't bad, but geez, let down. Baseball. How many, I mean, how many times did I text y'all? I'm done watching, and then just text you the next day and watch the next one that we lose to. NATO oh, <laughs> I mean, we just we just suck. So yeah, it was tough. It was a tough. Uh, let's see. Uh, from the second JMO tours ACL, which is the exact moment Savannah's water broke, we walked out of the house, told everybody, "I said, hey, we're we're not winning this game anyways." So since January 10th, um, things haven't been great. So hopefully we can get a good turnaround. But hey, Texas is week two on the road. Who knows? Yeah, uh, our last podcast we talked about it before we started was January thirty first. Uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of went back through that that episode. We were just talking about the the basketball team and how inconsistent they were, and that really, that it, I guess it, it did kind of change. We went from being inconsistent to just absolutely quitting. Uh, it seems like the team quit on Nate Oates. JQ quit, and now he's coming back this year after the knee injury. So we get to watch him. Uh, quit one more time in his career, let us down one more year. Um, you know, five and seven in their last 12 games, first round exit to Notre Dame while you have to watch Auburn, you know, become a, a two seed in the tournament. Now, of course, they did, they had a, a second round exit and got their, got their ass smoked by, uh, by Miami. Um, but yeah, you know, it seems like in the months of August through January, it's dominated by Alabama within the state, you know, considering the football team, the success that it's had, and the state of <clears throat> the state of Auburn, you know, that their football program is in, it's kind of in shambles right now. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that as the summer goes along. And then, you know, from the months of of February through June, you know, it's kind of dominated by Auburn within the state with their basketball team and their their regular season success. And uh, and then, you know, their baseball team getting to the World Series again 
Uh, but you know, what, what we're going to talk about first, uh, Lester is, is what does Alabama have to do? Let's start with basketball and we're not going to talk, you know, for an hour on something that's been over for three or four months, but we do want to touch on the, on the state of the Alabama basketball program and what it has to do. You know, they have another good recruiting class coming in, had a good one last year, but have another one coming in this year. Um, I think like four top 70 players, like a top five overall Juco player, uh, Dominic Welch and Mark Sears transferring in from St. Bonaventure and uh, in Ohio. And so once again, there's a lot of promise on paper. What does Alabama basketball have to do to turn the corner? Um, I think last year was a good example. And, and I, I've told you all this no, numerous times. Um, once I was done being pissed after the season, I sat down and thought about it. The team was was talented in its parts, but they weren't a good team as a whole. Um, and as you've mentioned, that the this upcoming class have a lot of you know new guys coming in, talented guys. Hopefully, they develop that team chemistry early on, really, really early. I know they're going doing the um the Italy or the France thing, Fr- France thing, um, playing a couple of exhibitions against. Um, some pros out there. Hopefully they, they develop that, that chemistry that I know where you're going to be. I'm going to be here. I'm going to knock down some shots and just be a better team. Last year, it just seemed like a bunch of individuals who couldn't run Nate Oates' system. You know, you didn't really have that knockdown three-point guy. Um, defense was lacking at times. And things just it, – it, it never just quite came together to make a nice cake. So just a bunch of eggs and flowers and shit still thrown all over the counter. So um, hopefully, you know, they can develop that chemistry early on and and be a better team. And then from that point on, you know, maybe Oates can work on them if there's some deficiencies um, early on in the season. Well, you know, right, right there, that point that you make, how hard is it to develop chemistry whenever you've got transfers coming in, you've got some one-and-dones in basketball? Because, you know, in football, most of the time – you know, your starters, like, you know, you're going to bring in maybe three or four transfers, but you got to play 22 guys. So most of the time you've got guys that have played together for two or three years. I think that was a big key in the 2020 season when you had Herb and Petty and Shaq and those guys that had played together. They played a lot of games together. Um, but with these with these new guys coming in, now you got Brandon, Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley who could be one and done, maybe. Uh, I think Brandon Miller's for sure. Then you know you got you got two guys transferring in that might be one year guys. So how hard is it to develop chemistry when you really don't have a lot of time? You just talked about how they're doing certain things to maybe try to develop some of the chemistry, but realistically, do you see that as a, as a factor? I do. I see it a lot. That's why I was really glad when they announced that they're going to play um, overseas. Those games that they're going to play over there is going to be invaluable you know, install some things, see how things are going to flow, see what these different guys with their skill sets are. You can go ahead and begin defining who can do what, who's good at this, who's good at that, and maybe you can get some role players, know who can do this, who you can lean on, and who you can count on. So the earlier that they can do that, I think the less that Nados and his staff are going to be scratching their heads during the middle of the season trying to figure out what's going to go on. So if you can eliminate that, um, Good things will happen. They're going to be a talented team as individuals, but they got to be a good team together. Are we just going to go overseas to get our 
brains beat in by a bunch of white dudes again? Because we get to see that like two or three times every single year. Probably, but hopefully Nate Oates and um, Hodgson can recruit the next Luka Doncic or somebody and get them to Alabama. But Hey, guys, and Lester says that we're talented. If you look on 24-7 Sports Dude, he's right. Alabama is going to have three of its top ten all-time recruits. Three of the top ten all-time recruits in Alabama basketball history will be on this on the floor at the same time. Miller, Bradley, and number 10, the 10th best recruit we've ever had, Charles Bediaco. Okay, so Alabama's going to have three of the top 10 recruits it's ever had on the floor at the same time. So no more excuses. I don't want to hear they can't run the system. Uh, this team can't shoot. Um, let's, it, it's time to put, you know, pen to paper. It's time to put the ball in the hoop. Nate Oates inherited a good bit of talent, number one, but I think he inherited a lot of guys who played a lot of basketball together from Avery Johnson into his first couple years. But now, listen, it's his time. you got three of the top ten players that out this program has landed throughout history. You need to come out, and you need to play well, and you're going to have more guys returning. I mean, but that doesn't really tell you anything, by the way. J.D. Davison's ass is number three all-time. Um, he wasn't even the third-best player on Alabama's team last year. But still, they need to put something together this year. It doesn't have to be Sweet 16. I think they should be in the Sweet 16. But when you have that much talent or supposed to be talent on the floor at the same time, um, there's not going to be any excuses for NATO. There's not going to be any excuses for Alabama basketball, especially considering you have JQ back uh, in the mix if he's 100% healthy. You should have the kid from uh, uh, Texas Tech, what's his name, transferred in, uh, missed last year with the ACL. You got talent on the team. It's time to put up or shut up. Yeah, and, you know, with Q coming back, uh, you know, I think he's just going to be my new, you know, Shaq as far as guys that I just lean on and bash on all year because, I mean, this guy, what he did in 2020 was spectacular. Uh, you know, he was a SEC tournament MVP. The, the run that he had down the stretch was just phenomenal. Some of the best basketball that's ever been played at the University of Alabama <clears throat> because, you know, you remember Herb's three-point fell off and Herb's still the leader of the team, but Q really showed up and showed out. Um, and then, you know, high expectations last year, and he just does absolutely nothing. He got worse. And, you know, it, it seemed like he became a ball hog at times. Is is If he has the mentality, J-Law, of – you know, I got to get mine. I got to get to the league, you know, and I, I'm not going to get to the league by passing. Uh, I, I got to score the basketball. Is, is that going to help or hurt Alabama? Is this a guy that can run an offense? Is, is it a guy that can lead a team? Because this is going to be his third year in the system. You're going to have to have that leader step up, and it's got to be Q, you know, with Shaq gone. So is, is, is Q a guy that you trust to lead a team and not just put the ball in the basket consistently, but, you know, to, to be a playmaker. Yeah, I mean, going into last year, you're, you're thinking, okay, we know what we got with Shaq. We know we got J.D. coming in. But how good J.Q. was down the stretch in Alabama's run that ended in the Sweet 16, there is no doubt that Alabama is not back in the Sweet 16 in 2022. Now with all, and now he's looking back with all the talent he had around him, did absolutely nothing. They got, I mean, did he, I think he shot, what, like 20% from three all year? One out of five? I mean, 
for a guy that filled it up as good as he did the year prior to come into last year and, and to be as bad as he was and as turnover heavy as he was, and he had his flashes, but he had, man, the flashes, man, they came way less often than uh, a lot of his mistakes. So I don't know. I, I just really hope that Miller and Pringle and these guys, and, hey, Ryland Griffin is the 17th best recruit Alabama has ever landed. So four of the top 20 players in Alabama history as recruits are going to be on the floor for Alabama this year. So, like, if you if you think about it that way, there's JQ's going to have to lead those guys, and I'm not so sure that he's capable of it. Everybody knows you lose a step after you tear your ACL. It's a much easier recovery now than it was just seven or eight years ago. But you're really never the same if it's as bad as uh, what everybody said it was for JQ. So, I don't know if you can depend on him, but I think he's going to have a short leash, and I think Nate Oates is going to say, you know, last year, uh, let Shaq uh, and JQ and some of the guys that were vets in the program, they had a long leash. I think the leash is going to be short this year. If Nate Oates is going to go down, might as well go down swinging with a lot of these young guys he brought in. Yeah, and you had you had depth this year. That a point guard depth was was um, non-existent at times last year because JD was so bad. You look, you know, we thought early in the year after the Gonzaga game and how well he played in December, uh, early in the year in Seattle, um, we thought that he was a guy that was going to be able to come in and get 18 to 22 minutes and basically split time with Q at that point guard position and uh, give you another dynamic coming off the bench uh, with fresh legs. And, uh, you, you know, that just that just didn't happen. So Q was forced to play, you know, 30, 34 minutes a game uh, and, and – during SEC play. And then, so now this year you've got Mark Sears coming in who shot like 41% from deep at Ohio last year. Uh, you've got Namari Burnett, like you mentioned earlier. So you have two or three point guard, legit point guards on the roster. So I think you're right. I think that's something that needs to be looked at. And hopefully Q does have a shorter leash because whenever he's going down there and throwing the ball off his foot, making bad passes, you know, putting up stupid shots, at the paint or these deep threes that he's missing badly, you know, you get him out of the game and you settle him down. Last year you didn't have that luxury. And uh, this year you should, you know, barring injuries, which seems to be hitting Alabama basketball as much as it is football nowadays uh, in the off season. But uh, yeah, you know, another, another year coming up next year that on paper, Alabama probably has the top three or four roster in the SEC. Uh, Auburn's going to be good. Uh, of course, you know Kentucky's going to do what they do. Arkansas, Eric Musselman, I know J Law, you love that guy. You think Alabama might have made the uh, made the wrong hire? I know you say that a lot during the season, um, but yeah, another promising season for Alabama basketball on the horizon. We'll touch more on that when it gets closer in October, November. Um, moving to the diamond, guys. Alabama baseball. We'll hit on this real quick. Lester, start with you. Connor Prelip. Uh, you know this is a guy that's been on our shit list. Since, you know, whenever, December, January, whenever we found out that he wasn't going to pitch. And uh, this is a guy that's a projected top 10 pick. Uh, you know, Alabama only gets like 11.7 scholarships every year. He eats up a scholarship. We only had 10.7 to give out this year. Give me your thoughts on him and just what unfolded with him this season. Yeah, it 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 was bad. It, I mean, it's just demoralizing for a team, in in my opinion. Um, surely those guys can go through, you know, all the workouts in the summer and the fall. And then this guy's just like, eh, yeah, I'm not going to pitch this year. I'm not going to risk re-injuring myself. 
And then what really ticked me off is, you know, along with the scholarship thing, I didn't even think about that. But, you know, when you're busting your ass in the SC championship, this guy is throwing a bullpen in front of scouts. That's it right there. That's that's exactly for you to say. What it, it was a it, it was a high camp bullpen. It was a yeah. high pitch count bullpen. He was letting it go. He'd been he ramping it for a while. Yeah, exactly. Where I mean, so you've had this at least surely, you know, because you've got to build up your arm strength, you know, you got to do all that kind of stuff to get ready to pitch full speed like that. And you don't just wake up. And be like, okay, I can do this today. You've been working on that for a long time. He could have helped this team out. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I mean, who helped him get back to that? Was he doing this himself? Was he doing this with a personal trainer? No, it was the damn Alabama staff. It was Alabama employees, Alabama, you know, athletic trainers or whatever, Alabama doctors, team doctors that helped him get back to this point. So, I mean, you know, for him to just say, ah, you know what, screw y'all. You know, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't give us two innings, three innings. I mean, we're not asking you to come out there and throw 97. Give us 88 to 90 and just dot and just work your stuff and help yourself out. Yeah, that that, that that's really trash. You know, if you because, you know, they've really, really kind of kept this his, you know, injury. of course, they have the Tommy John, but, you know, they don't really update us about him. You know, unless you're just inside the program, you just know like that. But that was just really shocking to me to just get on Twitter. Oh, he's throwing a bullpen in front of scouts and he's lighting up the radar gun. Like that sucks, man. I hate that. If you could have been doing that um, a couple of weeks ago, you could have been doing it for you know the past couple of months. Maybe you're not ready for the entire season, but you could have came back to pitch on you know at least a Sunday during the SEC but, play or something. But just just don't do it. Where everybody, like, we get it. You know, you know, people are going to be mad that you're doing it. So why do it on the, the biggest stage in in conference play? In Bama gear too, like, bro, you've you've already <laughs> moved on. Bye, go, go back to Canada. Where the hell you, is you literally you told everybody you weren't going to play that you're done for the year. You're hanging up the cleat, and then you do it in a Bama uniform. Yeah, and it's like you know we're not asking this guy in the SEC tournament to come out with some heroic. Uh, nine-inning game, 148 pitches, 15 strikeouts. They were asking for an inning, an inning and a half, you know, two or two innings. Give me give me 40 to 50 pitches. You know, that's that's all we're asking for. Get us out of a jam. Help us out in any way you can. Don't you – I mean, we felt like we're owed that with all with everything that our staff did for him. And you got to think that Bo Hannon's kind of thinking that way too, right? I mean, you know, we've done everything you've asked us to do. You know, we've listened to you. We've listened to your opinion. We've done this. We've done that. Um, we've gotten you to where you're a projected top ten pick. Can you not give us an inning? Can you give us an inning in two thirds? You see, you see, so that's all we were asking for. Nah, nah. I'm asking for that guy to come out and start Friday night. Uh, Lester, Lester wants, yeah, showed up somebody's ass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if yeah. you're healthy, yeah. do it. Because this team, what was it? I think. Maybe you one of you got well, I think maybe you sent that post from Bam Online or one of the message boards yeah. about how close the Friday night matchups were. Like, you know, with a no not not to discredit the guy we got from um Shelton. That guy freaking loves Alabama and he don't want to lose. He's the opposite of prelip. But Did he transfer to? Yeah, he came from Shelton. Shelton. Now State. I'm talking about any transfer already, like with the rest of the team. No, no. 
Oh, okay. but yeah. if he didn't, he's one of the few that are there. So yeah, for real, yeah. he got like four scholarship players. He's a Bama guy. He don't. They're, he call, they're calling Sam Silas, uh, Dre Barrett. They're calling <laughs> all of them. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jay, I don't. I don't know if I sent you that. I can't remember if I sent it to Lester and Bill or if I sent it to the Gump Runners group text. But what Lester's referring to, uh, did I send you that Bama was two and eight on Fridays in the SEC, and then like seven out of the eight losses. Or two run or one or two runs, and they're you know you're six five seven five eight six games that could have easily been won if Prelip you know was was healthy and was and was pitching. So he really yeah, I didn't you think that you win at least five of those games? I didn't know that stat, but you know it is to me because when you're missing one of your one of your three, now you're rolling your four in on Sunday essentially. So even in your rubber match games, you're throwing a guy out there that would not be a starter, or maybe you know your best, or maybe it's your best bullpen guy. Yeah, so you're dead, but you, you're in D1 baseball. You you do not want to go into a Sunday saying, "Well, we're staffing this one. That we're we're we are going to throw six pitchers on a Sunday." Not, but if if Freelip plays, there you're throwing your Saturday. What was your Saturday guys? Now your Sunday guy. Who was your day two guys? Now your day three, and you might have a starter on a Sunday that can give you five and two thirds, six and a third, as opposed to throwing six or seven guys in a Sunday matchup, which would have been key because you guys, y'all know everybody realizes, I know we do, but not maybe does anybody else. I know Corey probably hadn't watched Alabama sports since we lost to Georgia, if he's listening, but you know, we were one game away from the NCAA tournament. One, like regular season SEC tournament did not matter which one it was. You needed to win like one more game. And they didn't find a way to do it. Yeah, when everybody talks about making a regional and, and things like that, that stuff is really important. I mean, think about Bohan, his ass is on the hot seat. I mean, you make a regional, maybe that cools off a little bit. So I mean, all all I say, all I think all I'm thinking is that Prelip would have helped just a little bit. Yeah, he definitely would have. And but you know, also these these midweek games, uh, you go eight and five in the midweek. I'm not even sure Auburn lost a midweek game. I have to double check their schedule, but you know, if these midweek games, you, you lose to like Southern Miss, you know, Troy, you can, you can accept those losses because those are really good baseball teams, especially Southern Miss, but you lose to UT Martin, North Alabama, UAB, not once, but twice, you know, you've got to be 10 and three in these midweek games at a, at a base, at a baseline, at a minimum, you got to be 10 and three as an SEC school. And this just goes back to we Alabama has guys that can't hit. You can't hit the baseball. That's why all these guys are transferring. And, uh, you know, towards the end of the SEC season, I sent y'all the averages of our one through nine and their averages in conference play. And I think our highest was like 250. I mean, we had, you know, our three hitter was hitting like 220, 225. You know, Bo Hannon is not recruiting anybody that can hit in those midweek games. You're developing young arms, and and so you're expecting you have to score eight to ten runs in those games. You have to expect to give up anywhere from four to eight runs in those midweek games, even if you are playing teams like UNA. But there's no reason why UNA should be able to out-hit the University of Alabama. And, and, and I understand that it's baseball and anything can happen, but it was too consistent of bad play. It, it was a consistency of bad play in the midweek games. Being eight and five, it's just unacceptable. And same thing with these tournaments, you know, the, these regionals and super regionals. 
you see these games being played at 15 to 14, 13 to 11, uh, 10 to 9. So you've got to go get hitters because you might you might be in a game three in a regional and you've got some freshman on the hill because you're just so out of pitching. You got some freshman on the hill that's got eight innings pitched all year. And he's up there trying to throw whatever he can across the plate to get guys out. So you have to expect to give up runs, but you have to recruit guys that can consistently put up runs for your team. And that's something that Bohannon has done a terrible job of. Yeah, so, that's goes exactly. back. I just look. Go ahead, Lester. You're good. Oh, yeah. Well, hell, it ain't just been Bohannon. It's been the past decade of Alabama baseball. I mean, since. Um, well, Georgie, Mikey, a couple of those guys left, Kobe Vance. I mean, who's really been good, shoot, good hitters for Bama? It hasn't been very many of them at all. It's been a drought of hitters here. Yeah, I mean, Dio Dottie shows out his freshman year, and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, if you throw something crooked, he has no chance. So, you know, it's just the, the adjustments have been bad. The approaches have been bad. The all-around <clears throat> talent – has been bad. It's just not a lot of positives at the plate for Alabama the last couple of years. Hey, and not to, not to talk bad about girls' sports, but softball kind of sucked too. So they just hadn't been good. They didn't suck, but it just it wasn't fun outside of Montana Fouts. See, Montana Fouts is throwing three hitters and we're losing games. I mean, it's throwing no nos, and we're we're like tied up going into the seventh. It's softball. I, I, I'm going to get clobbered for this. Defense is 200 feet away. <laughs> you have the best pitcher in softball. and In softball, maybe in all of softball, from the pro leagues all the way down, you have the best pitcher in softball. You can't give her a run, two runs. Like, every time Montana gets in the circle, we're not going to talk about softball all night. Her first probably thinking, well, if I give up two tonight, we lose. So, I mean, they got to do something. I don't know. It's, it's just baseball and softball. They neither have been able to hit since about 2014. Hasn't been good. And, and now, Emma, they've been so good in the circle, they're able to go to the Women's College World Series almost every year. And since they've been there for so long, it, it, you can forgive the team. But, geez, man, you'd think that they'd just be able to hit. So I, I, you guys know I would much rather lose 16-14 than lose some of these games 3-2. Knowing that, man, you're at the University of Alabama. Just go get, especially in softball. As you in Oklahoma for the last, in Florida for the last 15 years, go get some, go get somebody that can hit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, are you in favor, J Law, of firing Bohannon and Murphy? Do you want them both gone? Is that, is that what we're saying? No, no. Let's say Patrick Murphy. I don't, he has earned, he's earned his keep, dude. He's in the World Series. He's in the College World Series all the time. Now, Brad Bohannon. At this point, other than the 16 and one, and then COVID hit, dude, the guy has been like best year, fifth in the West. I don't know, it's a tough division. And, and, but this is the Auburn mentality for right here. Yeah, SEC West, really hard in football. Well, that's why they keep firing coaches because they expect to win. They want to get there. So as long as you keep Brad Bohannon here, you're telling everybody it's okay to come in fifth in the West and hope to God we make a regional. To me, that's not okay. But we talked about this earlier. Now that NIL is in play, because schools don't pay buyouts, boosters do, and there is not a single Alabama booster out there other than the, the guy on Twitter that hangs out with all the young kids that would probably use his booster money 
to pay a baseball coach's buyout as opposed to give Tony Mitchell or Peter Woods or somebody else $150,000 right now. So we're not buying out coaches unless there's like one year left on their deal. Because there's no way you're going to pay Bohan and $700,000 to go away when that could land you three five-stars in football to go win a national title. So where do they where do they go from here recruiting wise? I mean, what do you do? Because you know, I've got I've got players at Hopeful that know some of the guys that Alabama has recruited in state, like some of those Hartsell guys, and they're like, you know, if he's on, he's good, but if not, he's very inconsistent. You know, he doesn't swing it great. I'm like, oh, he'll he'll fit right in. And so I, you know, of course everybody. But why would you go up. to Bama? I don't. I mean, I, I don't know, but these. These in-state guys, it's just I don't I don't I don't know. It's it's difficult, um, and I think we've we're got. Like, we're go recruiting five A players and guys from Canada, and that's that's just that's about it. I mean, yeah, and has there's the something wrong with five A guys? How has the Canada pipeline worked out? Is that something that we need to, you know, cut off? Uh, I mean, Mechi Primo. No, I'm talking about baseball. Um, I know, but I'm just thinking, like, we, there are some good – I think they're still part of the pipeline. But in baseball, I mean, I don't think it's been great. It's been yeah. – when Zane – did or when Diodotti hits a, a ball 500 feet, it's fun. Right. But it happens one out of every 30 at-bats, and there's 29 strikeouts mashed up in between them. That, to me, that's not fun either. No, it's not. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, Connor Prelip, I think he's throwing – in the MLB Showcase Friday, I think that's what it is, uh, before the draft. And so, yeah, you're looking at him to be a projected top 10 pick. I heard they were talking about him on uh, MLB radio earlier today. Uh, so, yeah, somebody so somebody that definitely hurt us. And Alabama baseball, got to get it back on track. Um, you want to do a, a World Series, college World Series prediction, Lester? Who, who, do you, who, who do you have winning it all in the CWS? Not Auburn. Um, I really don't even know all the teams that are in it. I know there are what four from the SCOS, what four Auburn, from the SEC, yeah. Auburn, Ole Miss. Um, shoot, I don't know who else we have from the West, Arkansas, Tim, and AM. Tennessee, yeah, thank god, that was, Dude, it was funny. so nice to watch Tennessee choke. That was, was so funny. Cool. I was like, you know, like, I, Auburn got in, but I was like. You know what? What I tell you, I say I needed Auburn to lose against Oregon State so I can watch the World Series in peace. Um, because I did not want to see Tennessee. I mean, they, they're like they're talking about how they might be the best baseball team ever to not right. make the World Series. Like not 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 the World Series final, like the the World Series period. They didn't even get to Omaha where they had like fifty seven wins or something like that. Yeah, it's just nuts, man. How good that team was, but hey. That's baseball. You hear that saying a lot, but that's baseball. You you can't explain it. You can't explain this sport. But uh, Jayla, who's your who's your? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Arkansas. I'm something. Yeah, about me too. Arkansas. That's who I that's who I like. Is it? I mean, they get timely hits. They they've got pitching depth. They they can they can score with you. They can shut you down defensively. It's just an all around good baseball team. And you know, it was a lot of people said it was their year last year. And they fumbled the bag and allowed Mississippi State to to take the reins and go ahead and sneak in a sneak in a national championship. But I think it might be Arkansas. And what's funny is, you know, Tennessee fan because Arkansas came into the years the favorite in the league. So Tennessee fans just trash talked Arkansas all year. I mean, there was like there was 
those guys that we followed from Arkansas through the Brian Harson stuff, <laughs> they were also going in on it with Tennessee fans the whole baseball season. And now Tennessee's on the outside looking in. But also, if you think Tennessee baseball was bad, wait till, wait till they become relevant. They will be relevant in football again. And it might be with Nico, um, the quarterback that they're paying $8 million to come, that it's going to be 10 times worse when they actually beat Alabama in football one day. Um, but I, I like Arkansas, man. They do get timely hitting. They came into the year as the favorite for the SEC uh, to, to win the league. Solid squad, winning pedigree. Auburn is the team that's kind of like – and Ole Miss, both of them, like middle of the year. Uh, man, okay, they might win a couple games in the SEC tournament. They're all right. They could sneak in in a regional. But, I mean, Auburn, regional, super regional. Just like Ole Miss, Alabama, did, did they sweep Ole Miss? At Ole Miss. And yeah, it's like the, the only series they played well all year. And, uh, so, yeah. I mean, like the SEC, it's, it's a stacked field. Notre Dame, though, doing the Lord's work. I, I, to me, if they won it, I'd just be happy. They beat Tennessee, knocked those guys out. And how do you round first flipping off the outfield? Now, do, y'all realize, do y'all realize how that's on national television? And it's just, that's just, you know, how you explain that is if somebody random just was watching that game with you and but what's that about? You just say that's Tennessee. That's how they that's how they are. That's how their fan base is. I mean, you remember when they picked six, I think it wasn't that like two in a backup role and they got to get like 80 yards. Oh, over. And the game was there now, like 40 points. He just he double birded our, our student section. Infamous picture hanging into the Louvre. Yeah. And it's, it's so- and it's. It's like, uh, you know, that's just Tennessee, and it couldn't happen to a, a better bunch of douchebags. You know, with their coach, Botello being an Italian hothead, chest-bumping umpires, arguing, you know, getting thrown out of games. Their players dropping F-bombs at umpire, umpires, like you said, flicking off fans. I mean, you just – karma's going to come back and bite you in the ass more times than not whenever you, whenever you have a team like that. But, you know, that's what they say is that you're – your team takes on the personality of their coach. That's the old saying, and that's exactly what Tennessee was this year. Their baseball team acted the way their head coach was. It was classless. Uh, it was it was hothead. It, it was cocky. It was arrogant. And uh, and it came back and bit him in the ass, and it could not happen to a better bunch of assholes than the University of Tennessee. Well, I'm glad we got all that out of the way because it's been a Football long season. five five months and now i mean the only thing we don't want to talk about nil this week but wait we'll hold our thoughts on jimbo fisher but let us marinate for about a month but i mean there's just still so much you could talk about that's not even ring or winter sport related that's just saving jimbo nil recruiting um there's still a lot going on yeah and we're definitely gonna gonna hit on that you know if we don't do one next week, it'll be in the next couple of weeks. You know, during the summer, um, I think last year we didn't do one every week, but every couple of weeks we'll be sure to get you guys an episode. But, you know, spring football performances for Alabama, uh, pretty easy to see. The explosiveness of Jameer Gibbs, a transfer running back from Georgia Tech. Uh, Bryce didn't do much in the 8 day game. It was raining all day. I think he was like 45% or something like that. Receivers, a lot of drops. Now, J-Law, this is something that it's been a big factor for you, you know, offensive line and receivers. It's pretty obvious that if Alabama's going to do any damage, any major damage, you know, Alabama-type damage, which is, a.k.a., 
winning the national championship, not losing a game. If they're going to do something like that, it falls in the offensive line. It falls in the receivers. Uh, you got Jermaine Burton from Georgia. You got Tyler Harrell from Louisville. But other than that, you got a lot of youngsters. Uh, you know, Javon Baker's gone. Um, JoJo Earl really didn't amount to much next year. It's kind of hobbled uh, at, at a couple of different times throughout the year. But two big holes to fill with JMO and John Mechie. Um, is it going to be Ja'Cory Brooks? Is it going to be one of the new guys that came in after spring ball? I mean, talk about the receiver group and, and what you saw out of them from A-Day and, uh, and also the offensive line. Well, yeah, for receivers, I mean, Leary was the only one that did anything from a receiver standpoint. And, you know, some of those were probably check downs from Ty Simpson and, and that and Jalen Milrow. But, you know, it's time for Holman Wiggins to earn his, earn his keep. I mean, I know he's one of seven favorites. Um, but, dude, you have more receiver talent than anybody but Ohio State. And maybe from a depth perception, from like one through eight of your top receivers, you have more talent than anybody in the country. And I know you just had Devontae Smith. Jamison Williams was a transfer that lit the world on fire. But other than J-Mo last year, Messi was good. Um, you, you're going to have – no, I think this is the year you're going you're gonna to be able to say, all right, some of these guys, young guys have been in the system now for a couple of years. Let's number one drops were a problem last year, so our receivers are going to have to be better. They're not going to have they're not going to be able to drop the ball as much as they did last year because I don't think you're going to have the explosiveness unless Tyler Harrell is um, better than he's being advertised. Because I think he's good, but he's not Jamison Williams. He can stretch the field, but again, not JMO. I think Holman Wiggins is the X factor coach alongside uh, Wolford. Obviously, the O line had a lot of problems last year. I mean, what did Doug did Doug Marone just come to Tuscaloosa and say, you know what? Screw it. I'm a fired NFL coach. I'm a multimillionaire. Let me go hang out with my buddy Bill O'Brien and, and uh, you know, just see how this year goes. Because can you could you ever imagine that a Nick Saban offensive line could be that bad? Dead last in the conference in tackles for loss and sacks allowed. I mean, how those guys were horrible. And J.C. Latham looks like he's going to be able to step up at right tackle. I think Wolford's got confidence in him. But if you're telling me, guys, that that um, we lose Evan Neal, who's the best tackle in the draft last year, you replace him with the 40th best overall transfer in Tyler Steen, you lose Chris Owens, who as bad as he was, still was better than J.C. Latham and um, the other guy that they threw out there last year. It's supposed to be. Okay. Damian Damian George. Oh, Damian George. Damian George. Yeah, so, I mean, like, like you lose those two guys, and I just just don't know if they're going to be much better at the tackle position. That's just really scary. I have faith in Cohen. Whoever they put at center, I think, is going to be fine. I think there were some scheme problems last year and some calm problems, which, um, was maybe why Seth McLaughlin came in was a little uh, better than Dalcourt when he was there because the communication was just better between him and Bryce. And Emil Echior is a projected uh, first-round pick, like 21st overall at guard. So, like, you have the interior offensive line set up, but you lose Evan Neal, you replace him with a Vanderbilt transfer, and you have an unknown in J.C. Latham. So I'm not so sure how good they'll be. Um, listen, I know Will Anderson is unblockable. But, my God, it is a disservice to all of the Bama fan base for us to have to sit there and watch Will Anderson get to Bryce Young in half a second. And what's even worse is we had to watch – quit putting Kendall Randolph 
at tackle. He's not going to play tackle. You could have, I would have rather have watched Tommy Brockermeyer get his ass whooped by Will Anderson and Dallas Turner for four quarters in the A-Day game than watch somebody like Kendall Randolph, who will not take a snap at tackle this year ever, waste our time because Saban wants to put somebody out there that's done it the right way for the last 17 years that he's been on campus. Like, put somebody out there that has a chance to play. Put Booker out there. Put somebody out there that can play. It's a disservice to the fan base to have to watch Kendall Randolph take snaps at left tackle when everybody knows he is never going to touch the field at tackle in a, in a meaningful situation. Yeah, how, how confident are you in Steam playing left tackle and not maybe – because, you know, I, I think that uh, fall practice is going to be huge for the offensive line. I think that's pretty pretty obvious. Um, but what are the chances of maybe Latham – somebody's got to take the bull by the horn. Somebody's got to take the yeah. ring here, man. And you've got to have your best guy at left tackle. Now, right tackle, it was kind of a revolving door last year, not just, you know, <clears throat> theoretically speaking with, with people uh, – with our, with our guys just letting the defensive ends bomb every time. But, you know, with Chris Owens and Damian George and Randolph maybe a couple of times, just trying to just trying to find something. And uh, and so I guess it's – if you're going to have a revolving door, I guess right tackle is better than left tackle. But you, you've got to have – because, you know, Steen, he wasn't an All-American at Vandy. He's played a lot of snaps, and so he got a lot of buzz. And, of course, you know, I, I think that – if Nick Saban's going to go after a transfer, I think he's got to be worth something. Um, right. And so, and, but what are the chances that, that Latham, you know, kind of, you know, becomes a dog or, you know, Pritchett or Booker or Brockemeyer, you know, you've got so many options with so many highly rated guys coming out of high school. And, and so it's, it's a, it's a shame that none of them have taken over already. Um, but, you know, you really can't ask a first- or second-year player to do that. It's not easy, and it takes a special kind of talent. But like you said last year, that's what we've seen at Alabama. We've seen that kind of talent, and now we don't have it. Well, I think that's what's discouraging a little bit about the wide receiver position, too, is because you recruited all those dudes last year. One of them's gone. One of them towards ACL. One of them was banged up in the spring. The other one just really didn't play very much in those, in those four you bring in this whole haul, and then we were hoping to get another wide receiver transfer in the mix late in the year. And I know you're going to take the Bolitnikoff winner no matter what if he wanted to come. But if you're like Alabama, and I think Holman Wiggins is a phenomenal coach, and he is probably Saban's favorite assistant coach. I get it. But, like, it was – I think for Alabama this year, like, you probably weren't thinking coming into 2022 that you were going to try to take three wide receiver transfers because you thought the recruiting was that good. And maybe you could have looked in the in the portal for maybe a few more guys to add to that because Alabama still doesn't have quality depth to me on the offensive line. Like if Steen gets hurt, I haven't seen anything from Brockemeyer that tells me he's good. It's just definitely not Kendall Randolph, unless it's Elijah Pritchard or Tyler Booker, who's most likely going to play guard while he's at Alabama. Like you don't have anybody there, and maybe if you had another spot, you made it would have made a try to make a run at Armarius Mims while he was in the transfer portal, something. But man, like. You know, Pritch is not going to play. No, there's no way they're not. They're going to start a, a freshman that didn't come in until summer. Yeah, and then so, you, I mean, like, what's going to? I mean, yeah. and you still got a, a question at the center position, you know, because as much as we hate these, uh, these, these guys that are that commit early or whatever, you know, like Seth McLaughlin did, he was ranked like 500 or some shit like that. Uh, wasn't highly touted 
coming out of high school at all. And uh, but you know he, he's developed and, and against Georgia in the SEC championship game he's got to step in for Darian Dalcourt. The communication was a lot better. I guess second half versus Auburn, the communication, <coughs> excuse me, was uh, was a lot better. And then that rolled over into the SEC championship game. That was the best the offensive line played. Um, and then you know they kind of took a step back against Cincinnati and then Georgia once again. Uh, so that's another position you have to figure out. Whenever Dalcourt comes back, he missed. He missed – I think, believe he missed spring uh, with the injury. Uh, and so that's another position you got to watch. So there's three out of five positions on the offensive line that are question marks. That's very concerning whenever you have a returning Heisman Trophy winner. You have uh, maybe one experience. I, I'll give Burton the experience tag. Uh, I'm not sure about Tyler Harrell. What, he only had like 16 catches last year or something like that. We know about his speed. Yeah. We know he's a burner. Um, and, you know, we know what Gibbs can do catching the ball out of the backfield. But that's it's a little frightening offensively when you have so much potential with your skill players, yet 60% of your offensive line is a question mark right now in, uh, in mid-June. But, uh, Lester, <clears throat> talk about, let's talk about the running backs real quick, and, and then we'll, you know, we'll hit on the defense. Um, Jameer Gibbs coming in, like we talked about, we saw the explosion in the uh, in the eight day game with the seventy yard touchdown run. But you know, Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams coming off these knee injuries, they're no slouches. Uh, talk about how you see this running back rotation folding out. Um, if you think Gibbs is going to get the start, or maybe Jace, how many touches does Roydell get? I mean, you ha- you have a lot of horses back there, and only one football, just like we we say every year. Right, absolutely. Um, I yeah, of course. I think Gibbs is going to be your your main guy. Did Trey Sanders? He's still there. He graduated. What's his deal? Man, Trey just he's just. He's just I mean, he's right, really dude. slow. He look he, yeah, he wasn't he's, slow. And, and poor. And you know, I wish that guy the best. I yeah. don't want him to transfer anything because I appreciate you know what he's done, sticking with us. Because this is a number one running back out of high school. Uh, he was committed, and he just he just can't stop getting hurt. He has the car wreck. Just bad yeah. luck. And yes, yeah. I think he's easily four string right now at best. Yeah, well that that's okay because like I said, we got you know behind Gibbs. Thankful we got him to transfer here. Um, two studs. Um, what I see is just depth. A lot of fresh legs. I mean, there's no reason under you know a reasonably healthy team, slow ass Trey Sanders would have been taking meaningful snaps last year. I mean, I, I hate to say it, you know, I love the guy, but there was just no explosion there. At all, <laughs> when you probably needed that guy. So, be yeah, a Gibbs coming in, been explosive, change of pace guy. And then, you know, Roydell and McClellan, those guys are going to come in, punch the ball, run between the tackles, and it's going to be glorious because there should be fresh legs all year long for this team. Lester, on paper, on paper, this is this doesn't have anything to do with the defense coordinator. This doesn't have anything to do with what you think will happen on paper. Is this the best Alabama defense you've seen? Uh, I'll be thinking about it because I'm going to ask you the same question. No. It's no? Not, you think no. 20, like 2016 probably or 2011? Yeah, probably 2016. J-Law? They didn't win a natty, but. No, they didn't. Deshaun Watson's still throwing for touchdowns. Yeah. If, if, if this defense had Deron Payne, I would give it 
Oh, Deron Payne, John Allen, somebody in the middle, Deshaun. Any, Bingo. Any three. Bingo. I would still say, no confidence yeah. in, in DJ Dale. You just don't think he's on. And, and I, I, I agree with you. If there is a weak spot, I think that's it. Uh, but how but, have we got to this point? Because, dude, look at Georgia. Dude, if you're going to throw – if you're going to pay <laughs> people in college football, there's a million high school receivers. There ain't – there's not a lot of – you know, Peter Woods running around, you know, like go get those guys, go get the five star, go the two guys at Carver, they be at Alabama, go get them. So, I mean, the, the James Smith kids going to Georgia this week, I know it's an official visit, everybody takes them, but man, don't let Georgia pick up and see. Like Kirby knows what wins, it's big defensive linemen, and Alabama doesn't have it, but here you got Will, Dallas, Chris, Henry T throw in whoever you want to. Chris Harris should have stayed after he went into the late third round or whatever he went in. DBs should be phenomenal. Um, this is a really good Bama defense. You had the best safety in college football back. You have the two best edge rushers in college football. You might have the best middle linebacker in college football. Um, if Man, if, if Boyd B, DJ Dell, Byron Young, Burroughs, um, Lathan, I mean, any of those guys can step up and give you half of a Deron Payne type production year. Like this is going to be a really, really good Alabama defense. And Jalen Moody, when he had to come in and play, um, he was good. So I, I, I like this bunch, but it's 2022. Sometimes this offense, like the offensive line can't just go two quarters and not block anybody because you're going to give up points, especially on the road. Week two, you go, who are you, who are you taking, Stark or Pete Golding? Oh, take Will Anderson off the defense, and let me ask you that question. Who are you taking, Stark or Pete Golding? Well, he is. On Stark is going to – I know, but Stark is like – Will Anderson is going to mask a lot of scheme problems. Stark is going to out-scheme Pete Golding in this game. So, I mean, we're going to have to score some points week two. It's going to be a, a 35-34 kind of point total for Texas. We're not going to be able to go on the road and, and butter around for the first 30 minutes and hope to God we pull it out in the second half. Just think that, you know, I mean, that game, I, I really like Eli Ricks and Xavier Worthy. I think that matchup will be really fun to watch. And I think that Sark's going to, you know, <clears throat> as I say that, I'm sure that he won't even line up Worthy on the outside. I'm sure he'll just keep him in the slot the whole time, much like he did with Devonta uh, when he was here. But, um, you know, that that's a long way away. But, dude, on paper, I'm, I'm with you, J-Law. That, that middle part of the defensive line – Where's Damon Payne at? Where's Tim Smith? You know, DJ Dale, Byron Young, you got to have somebody. And it's kind of like the offensive line that we just talked about. You've got a bunch of highly rated guys, just like everywhere else in the field, that just haven't developed, um, haven't panned out, whatever the case may be. And why is that? That's been the biggest issue the past couple of years in yeah. various spots on the roster. Gosh, Development Dale, has not been there. Dale's just been hurt. I mean, you know, I heard somebody say a couple of weeks ago that, you know, whenever he hurt his knee, his whole knee socket was out. Like, that wasn't a minor injury that he was playing through, and he just could not do anything on it. Um, but I also heard the same guy say that, you know, what the steps that he's taken from a leadership standpoint are just phenomenal this year. This is his last year and that he's taking a whole different approach to how he's treating his body and what he's doing. Now, is that going to translate to success on the field? You never know. You hope it does. But, you know, hopefully it's DJ's time. Um, but, you know, I think Byron Young can step up. I think Tim Smith can get it done. That's three guys right there 
that are solid. I'm not going to call them great, but I think they're solid enough to get good production out of and do what they need to do to help out Will and Dallas and then to keep guys off the linebackers and, and to make some plays at the line of scrimmage. But, um, yeah, you find somebody in the middle, dude. This is one of the best secondaries Alabama's had. You got two senior safeties who've been in the system. There should be very little communication problems, if any at all. Uh, and, um, you know, what is this Golding's third, fourth year at defense coordinator? So, you know, we say it every year, but no excuses for Pete this year. I mean, he's, 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 he's got his DUI under his belt. He's ready to go, you know. We got Kool-Aid taking gas station picks with Camaros. We got Bryce wearing a fake grill. I mean, this is this is this is like 2016 all over again. This is what you want. Nah, Bryce got the NL money, the NIL money. That grill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, y'all are right when you talk about like we've had more five-star busts in the last three years than we probably had like Saban prior. What? Well. When you get more five stars than everybody else, you're gonna have more five star busts. I mean, look but at I'm talking about like AM first, like just nine. us. I mean, well, I'm talking yeah. about just us though. Like just compared to what happened, but compared to the first twelve years of Saban, like <laughs> the last three years, like Demontane, Antonio Alfano, Ayabi, Anoma. I mean, like who? Like, well, yeah, what, and what that's what and those that's hurt. A, and they that was what 2017 up. recruiting class or something like, or no 2019 recruiting class. Uh, and, and, you know, they bring that up all the time, and, and that's just one of those years. It is what it is. That's why you cannot take a day off uh, when recruiting, and it's just, it's just something that just happened, and it sucks. But also, think, dude, think about re- regarding the five-star bust. Think about how much harder the game is to play now. I mean, and, and I understand the spread is now prevalent in high school football as well, and just everybody's basically, you know, shotgun, um, you know, spread it out, throw it all over the lot. But – especially on defense, think about how hard it is to play uh, against these type of offenses, no matter whether you're in high school. And then, you know, if you have success in high school and you're fortunate enough to go to a place like Alabama, think about how much how much more advanced it is from high school to college and then college to the NFL. And so, I mean, it's natural to see more busts. I agree with you that we have had probably a little bit more than, than Nick Saban wants. But, uh, you know, I, I think it is what it is. The only way it can go is forward. So I just hope that that trend ends because, you know, that also has about to the offensive line issue, the defense line issue. Like somebody has got to step up. There's not been a freshman to come in to step up and take over those roles in a long time. And it's been showing up and it's not been good. So talk about a scary game. Forget about Texas. Look at Ole Miss, Zach Evans, Jackson Dart. Arkansas on the road, Tennessee on the road. Yeah, dude, this, you know, yeah, hey, yeah. Got, when I just looked at the schedule, whoo, at the end. And it's, it's, it ain't going to be easy. And, you know, we have another situation where there's like four or five teams with bye weeks the week before they play us. You know, I just come in Alabama standard now. Um, but, uh, guys, we're, we're going to wrap this one up. I've got power flickering at my house. I don't want to lose Wi-Fi and lose this recording. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll try to pick this up next week or in a couple of weeks whenever we can get back to y'all. Uh, anything y'all want to add before we get out of here? Good. Appreciate the guys who listen. All right, man. Yeah, episode 60, Gump Runners Podcast. It's good to be back. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We'll see y'all. <laughs>